Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. Well, welcome to another episode of According to Flint, and this week... Excited, happy, honored, all of those things to have uh, this week's guest. He is the former and first CEO of the Professional Bull Riders, uh, former CEO of IndyCar with uh, Rural Media Group, the brainchild of the American. Many jobs, many hats he wears, currently a co-manager, the co-manager of a young up-and-coming country music artist named Garth Brooks. It is one and only Randy Bernard. What is, when you're the co-manager of Garth Brooks, give me a job description. Good to see you, Randy, by the way. What, see you. What is your job description with your work with Garth Brooks? Listen, I clean toilets. I, <laughs> I, I sweep floors. I do whatever they ask me to do. I mean, I, I am not above any of that. So I, I it, um, but, you know, I think, I, there's a lot of times during COVID, we are cutting wood, we are building fence, <laughs> or we're building bridges, or building houses. I mean, we do it all this time, this right now. But um, during a season, you know, we're working on licensing, publishing, um, concerts, stadium shows, whether there are arena shows, and all this publicity. What shows? What which TV shows he's going to do? Which um, just all that? Which is going to be his? You know, he's talking to us about which his next single is going to be, when his new album's coming out. So there's tremendous amount. And I would say that we're, we're always trying to be about two years in advance. So everything that we're working on now is going to be for two years from now. So um, it's we, we, we work that far out in, um, on most of our that, projects. That's got to be difficult right now. I mean, who knew last year right now we'd be sitting in this position. Are you planning two years out as if everything's going to be okay two years from now? Is that kind of what your plan is? Well, so what happened on this is the, the, basically the entertainment world shut down. So yeah. what we what we've been doing for the last uh, tw- twelve months, ten months, is continuing just playing musical chairs with these stadiums, thinking that if it's going to be six months, we didn't know if it was going to be six months or a year or a year and a half. So we looked at six months. We moved everything to six months, and that didn't happen. We moved it to a year, and now that's going to happen. Now we're going to move another six months, and we're just continuously moving. Uh, moving stadiums around to, to, to trying to trying to get a stadium tour um, sometime uh, sometime this year and I, I everyone the big magic question right now is when you know we're ho- we're optimistic that it could be uh, mid June or late June but I just uh, I mean there's no no one has the the real answer right now yeah that's what I I keep telling people that I'm around even in in my position with PBR if you want to gauge for uh, uh, kind of the temperature of the country. Look at the live event industry. If they're selling, if they're starting to sell as many tickets as they can, that's your gauge. That's your okay. Things are moving forward. I, I feel it in the tone of people. I don't see it in the actions of the actual in the actual industry. But I fe- do feel like the tone is starting to lean a different way. It I, really and, is. And I think you guys would probably know, probably have your hand on the pulse of it better than I do. Yeah, we, we're, we're, you know, we're always talking to industry leaders and, and movers and shakers. And I think, you know, I mean, so much of this is about science so that <laughs> none of the <laughs> industry knows what the hell's going on. Um, but I think, you know, we, we look at what Live Nation and these guys are, 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 are planning for and, and we're just trying to, you know, 
we're, we're ready to go with if, if uh president biden said we're open the country tomorrow i promise you garth will have a show tomorrow i mean that's <laughs> how quickly we can move um i will say and i said i said before we went on the air uh and, and i'm jumping right in this i wouldn't cover it but uh as this airs it, it, it's all over but Garth sings Amazing Grace at the at the inauguration. And his goal there, and, and this to me, uh, I, I've never met Garth Brooks all these years. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate that. Um, I've never met Garth. He seems like the kind of guy that says, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go do this because I'm going to be the guy that steps in and tries to bring something together here. It does nothing but good, in my opinion. And you hit it right on the head. I, and I, if you know Garth, people that know Garth know how loving, appreciative, kind, humble that guy is. And he has no, he had no ambition to promote one of his songs or, he, you know, that the, the night that Mrs. Biden called him at the house, um, you know, he, he took a deep breath and goes, wow, this is, you know, I, I love to, to work for the president of the United States, whether who it is, whether you're Republican or Democrat. And um, uh, he said, I need to, he goes, let's take some time and think about this and we'll make a decision tomorrow. And he came back and says, I really want to do this. And he goes, I don't want a political stance. I want this to stand for unity. He goes, I am a registered Republican, but he goes, for God's sakes, all we've seen on the news is how decisive, divisive this country is right now and what a lightning bolt it is to talk about politics. And he goes, if he goes, I was put on this earth to play music and music is one of those things that should be able to relieve that. And he goes, if, if it helps, great. And, um, and that's the, the, what he did. You know, um, we asked him if he was gonna perform one of his songs and he, he said, no, I, he goes, I, I want this to be about unity. And he goes, people, you know, might take, you know, he, he wanted to make sure it stayed focused on this. and. Everyone wants to say, well, he didn't play Trump, President Trump's uh, nomination, or I'm sorry, inauguration. And I was right there uh, talking with everybody. I was the one that called and, and said he wasn't going to be able to do it. He had, uh, he had events in um, Cincinnati, Ohio, I believe it was. We had four or five sold out shows and there was an, a, a chance he was going to have to do another show. And we were in Cincinnati on that Friday. If they could have moved the inauguration a day or two, sure, yeah. we, the guards would have done the President Trump's. I mean, he respects the office of the United States, and he does not like to play politics. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, unfortunately, it's so so divisive right now. I, I just hate to see what, what's on Twitter. But um, there's so many people that after, I think after they saw it, that, that there was that feeling of love in the air and a feeling of that's. You know, whether it's right or wrong, he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I completely agree with you. There's been, I'm just so tired of it. There's been enough of it. So if, if one guy's going to do it, to me, that was the guy. But, you know, you talk about the kind of guy he is, and then then we'll get to some other stuff. But um, now that I have you, I, I also picture him, you know, he we see that stage persona, which a lot of us have. But I also see, because of what he's done in his career, and with what he has, driven, um, intense, competitor, perfectionist. Those are words I think of. Am I on the tr am I on the right track oh there? Oh, oh, I mean, uh, I will go to the studio with him sometimes at ten in the morning, and he'll finish at three or four in the morning. And I'm not talking about we didn't. He didn't cut two or three songs. He was still working on one song. 
you might hear one song in that studio, I don't, 150, 200 times before he, <laughs> he gets it right. And I mean, it's just in everything he does. When he's doing his, his rehearsal shows, um, you, you might, you know, that band might get there at 10 in the morning and they're not going to leave at 11 or 12, but he's going to make sure everything is perfect. Every, you know, when he does a sound check before every show and it's with a full band and they practice and practice. And sometimes you'll send the band away and say, now I just need an hour and a half to practice with my guitar. Um, and it's, I don't care what the, what the conditions are. When we were at Paso Robles out there a few years ago, it was 117 on that stage when he had to do his rehearsal. And he stayed out there an hour and a half and was just come out soaking wet. But I mean, he is going to make sure that he is prepared to entertain. And that's what he is, is he's, an, he's, he's one, I think, the greatest entertainer of all time. I do too. Uh, agree. It's, it's between, well, I don't know. Michael Jackson's right in there. Right? It's, it's close with me, the two of them. So he is the living legend. <laughs> That's right, living. the greatest living entertainer of all time. And, I mean, Michael Jackson was a great entertainer, yeah. and, and I think I think Garth would be the first to tell you. Garth has his heroes too, and I think he loves to watch uh, uh, great entertainers. He yeah. loves Queen. He, he, Queen was one of his, and Chris Ledoux. He said he learned as much from Chris Ledoux as anybody. He absolutely idolized Chris Ledoux. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I saw you uh, in December at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, which, of course, was in Arlington, Texas there. Uh, maybe there was a bigger role. One of your roles was uh, the opening, the openings of the rodeo. And with Cowboy Channel, kind of their expanded coverage a little bit, those openings were put on television, on national television for people to see, which is, was, as far as I know, a first-time thing. In your mind, when you were putting openings together for the NFR, what, what did you want the people in the arena to see and the people watching on TV? That had to be in your mind that this was going out on TV. What did you want to portray or make them see in those openings for the rodeo? That's a, that's a great question because that's the exact question I asked myself when, from, from the first when George Taylor called and asked if I would be interested in doing the openings, who's the CEO of PRCA, I, I said, I would love to think about it because I said there's several things that you have we have to take in mind. First, ten performances with ten different openings. Yeah, I mean that is crazy, and we had what sixty days to pull it off, or I think I don't even know if it was sixty days, forty-five. And then, then to the question of who are we going to cater to? If if you're going to do it for the live crowd, or you're going to do it for the TV crowd? So we try to do. I'm going to say a little seventy percent more toward television and thirty percent for the for the audience because we didn't have a black house that we could get completely black for the live crowd because of the new stadium. We didn't have the fog set up, the, the sound system. So we really wanted to make sure that it, it presented itself. And then the next thing I think I went to George and said, George, we are going to go so red, white, and blue this year. We're going to be yeah. so American. I said, the one thing that we know about the Western lifestyle, whether you're rodeo or whatever you are, um, just a cowboy on, uh, just if you're a cowboy on a ranch, you love America. And, and I think, it just still bites me in the butt that our athletes, professional athletes, want to take a stand on 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 their platform inside an arena and kneel um, during the national anthem. I still haven't gotten over that, and it really pisses me off. Y'all, mm -hmm. yeah. and I think that there's a place to do that. If they want to do that at the post office on Monday on their time, go for it. But they're representing a sport, they're representing a team and a city, and all these kids all over. So America, especially, are watching this, and it's a terrible example. And and that's one thing that Cowboys have never done. They have never knelt for a flag. They respect it. They protect it. They love it. 
and I, I want to showcase that. And I think it's very, we, we've got to be very proud of that. And, and these, these are athletes that have never had their time in the spotlight like these other athletes, when, especially when it comes to the financial and the television considerations. So it was very important for me to make sure that we, we uh, did the right, made it, the, you know, did the right thing um, on television and, and for the live crowd around America. I had somebody ask me recently, hey, what are you going to do in, in bull riding and rodeo when one of these athletes does kneel down? And I said, and I was with, oh, two or three other guys. And we said, that won't happen. Oh, well, you don't know. You know, a person kind of argued. And we said, it won't happen. It's, it's, we're from a certain upbringing that I truly don't think it will happen. Uh, it, it's just, it's the culture we're in, I think. I, I completely agree with you. It, I, I never see it happening. Yeah. Uh, it, did you get some pushback there? Wasn't there one night, first time ever, the athletes didn't come out state by state? You, you know, that's a lot of people, that's their thing at the NFR. Montana, Mississippi, and with the flag. There was one night you didn't do that. Was there pushback on that? I, I mean, was so afraid. So I create. I, 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 I had this already in my concept from day one, mm-hmm. but I was not going to share it with anyone until I got to rehearsals. <laughs> and I, I wanted them to see the video and see how it was laid out before we did it. And after they watched the video, and there's some tears coming down some of the older guys' eyes, and they're like, "That's the best. That's the best opening we'll ever have." I'm like, "Well, you understand the Cowboys are going to walk out this night, and every, not one disagreement. Everyone says wow. this is going to be a special night." And it was, there was not one negativity from, from the word. Uh, it was a green light from day one after, uh, from that rehearsal on. And, you know, that night I was afraid I was going to get some, uh, some, some repercussion from the Cowboys. The Cowboys, I think Casey Fields said, he goes, I've got a bone to pick with you. He goes, he goes it was hard for me to get on my horse because he goes, I had tears coming down my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> so I think that the, the, they were proud to do it. And I think it, it showed every one of them standing. We had the cameras down low showing everybody mm-hmm. with their, the hats on their heart. And I think it was, again, very, very emotional for a bunch of people. Yeah, and I think uh, this was the year to try something new. Every, and I think uh, you caught people in, in a year where everybody needed to try something new. And I think everybody was just glad to be there. Also glad it, not just glad to be there, but glad it was happening. So... I thought it was a big step. And I asked that question because knowing rodeo like I do, I couldn't imagine somebody, not necessarily in the arena, but somebody saying, like, get them damn guys riding that lap like they always do. You know, you know the pushback you get. There could have been some of that behind my yeah, back. Yeah, no, <laughs> But no. They, were, they were very respectful to me. And, and uh, it, was, it was a fun, fun, fun thing to do. Um, but I will say right here, I'll be the first to announce it right now. I'm retired from opening <laughs> this. <laughs> That's it. You're a one and done. One and done. I'm a one and done. It was great. Thank you, everybody. But it was done. It was a. Uh, I, I, I coming out of it. I got COVID and I lost 20 pounds. So it was just. Yeah, I got it too. I didn't. I didn't lose 20 pounds, but I caught. He caught it. I caught it. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I will say that I wa- I would watch the openings and having worked with you all those years, there were openings like the first night. I watched. And I said, "Oh, they're coming up on a lift. That's a Randy deal." <laughs> I could pick out. I could pick uh, out the Randy Bernard traits from the opening. You did not. Uh, the one thing you didn't do was try to fly Justin McBride off a horse 
and land him was, up on a stage. That's all you did. I was afraid I'd get my butt kicked at the rodeo arena. I, <laughs> I knew Justin would do it for him. Justin owed me too much in fines. He couldn't argue about it. <laughs> uh, we, still t- we still will, in meetings for openings, say, hey, let's fly somebody off a paint horse and try to lift him up on it. We still use all that. <laughs> or put somebody in an Air Force jet. Yeah, this is inside oh, yeah, stuff, yeah. but yeah. Um, you know, I was I hosted the first basically road to the American TV show on RFD TV. Yeah. And so I was kind of there when all of this with the American was coming about. I was there when we revealed the name of it. How long did that roll around in your head? The, the concept of the American rodeo to kind of, you know, give us a little background on what your train of thought was giving everyone a chance, the big money. There's just so many uh, ins and outs to that. Well, it was uh, in, in 2001 when we started our NBC network show. Our first network show we ever did was down in Austin, Texas. Um, and uh, we did a 2.4 rating. Well, right after that, John Miller called me back and said, hey, I need some new concepts if we want to do something different. So I created some different ones. And I had about six of them that I created. I spent a lot of time thinking about and opening. And the next one I want to do because Texas is such, it's its own country, basically. They think they're their own country. So (laughs) I wanted to do one Texas versus the world because you had about 22 bull riders from Texas and then you had everyone from Brazil, Australia, Canada, Mexico, just have everyone else in the world match Texas. (laughs) And it would have been at the Alamo Dome, back when they still had the Alamo Dome. Yeah. And I just thought that would have been such an amazing event. And uh, my board hated it. They just said, that's the stupidest idea you ever had. And I took all these other ideas to them and no one liked it. Well, I had this concept. I never had, you know, we weren't going to do a rodeo, but I had it in the back of my mind. Well, then when we, after the first year, probably 2000, uh, it was 2007, the first year we did the PBR at AT&T Stadium. Uh, Jerry Jones came to me and goes, I want a rodeo. He goes, will you do a rodeo? And I go, Jerry, I'm committed to strictly ro- uh, to bull riding PBR, but I'm, I'm sorry, I can't. And so then when I went to IndyCar, he go, he, he, they had a Super Bowl uh, owners meeting in Indianapolis. He goes, you have time for dinner. So we went to Ruth Chris and had dinner. He goes, I still want that rodeo. Will you do it now? I go, Jerry, I'm 100% committed to IndyCar. I'm sorry, I can't do it. Well, then fast forward about three years later, I'm at RFD TV and Patrick's like, I want a great event. I need something. We want something that we can help rodeo, but we also a staple. I go, I've got it. So we flew down the next day, met with Jerry. Said, Jerry, you still want that event? He was like, hell yeah. And, uh, we, it was, that was, it happened. And I think what, what, where Jerry was very instrumental and Patrick, of course, Patrick was a, a major influence on it, um, was I want, you know, it, the, the Houston rodeo at that time paid 1.8 million in, I think it's 18 days, right? Or 21 days, whatever it was. Uh, San Antonio was about one six in that 18. I wanted an event that paid more than all of them in one day, $2 million in one day. And I'll never forget I'm so excited to tell the Cowboys about this. And they have their, 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 uh, I forget what they called the event in Omaha, Nebraska, where all the champions are there. Uh, yeah, I can't remember either. Uh, uh, some tour, a tour finale yeah, deal. Yeah, exactly. Tour finale. Yeah. And they're all there. And I'm like, I can't wait to ha- having a big dinner, a big breakfast laid out for them. I had all this food. I'm like, I just need an hour of your time. This is going to be the biggest rodeo, um, highest paid one day rodeo in history. And so I'm all excited. We get there. I had never thought that no one would show up. I had six cowboys walk in the room. Trevor Brazil was one of them. 
Um, and I was so let down. I'm like, and I'm like, why didn't you guys come? They go, that rodeo is never going to happen. That's just a pie in the sky dream. Really? You got to yeah. pay us. And um, I, I'm going to throw a name out. Matt could kill me later. Matt Reeves goes, hey, he goes, I get it. You're going to put up all this money. And you're still going to make all the money. Oh, and I'm my like, God. I don't get it, Matt. Uh. I said, you got all this risk. I said, and then I finally just said, instead of arguing with you, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will have my attorneys drop the papers tomorrow and I will allow you 50% of this event, but you're, you're, you're going to owe 50% of any, anything we lose on it. And that stopped that conversation. <laughs> he was done with it right there. <laughs> but, but um, it was a, it was a big, it was a, we rolled the dice. I mean, and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't highly successful. It was a highly successful from a PR and an amazing thing for the Cowboys, right. but from a financial result for the RFD TV and us, it, it, it wasn't very good for the first couple of years. Why, why is that always the reaction? In, and maybe not now there's been and now it's it has been successful for the Cowboys there's been some other changes or whatever in rodeo but why has there just been too many things that presented to Cowboys that didn't work that they don't trust is it something different they don't trust what why was that the first initial reaction I I think that they're Cowboys get taken advantage of so many times. A sponsor will offer them fifty thousand and end up paying them ten, or, or just giving them their clothes. Or, you know, I just think that they're just they were wary, and they, and I wasn't hadn't been in the rodeo business. I'd been in the professional bull riding business, so nobody really had an understanding of anything. I had not that it was important, but I, I don't. I, I you know I was very confident this thing could work, and um, unfortunately, um, I think that they had just had such a bad taste in their mouth from so many events that hadn't worked that they just uh, didn't want to give us the time. I think I'm proud to say, I, I'm so excited to see other people trying to do major events like this. I mean, if you can pay out 2 million in one day, I think you can darn sure uh, pay a lot more than what some of these rodeos are paying today. You know, you, you said something and I actually had it written down on my, on my fancy notes here. <laughs> I hear a lot because I've been, I'm still, in both, uh, you know, I, I work in the arena in PBR, but I have a big connection to rodeo and I love my career that I had in rodeo. Um, you know, I do stuff like this. So there's a connection there. And, and I hear a lot of people talking about fix rodeo. We, we need to fix rodeo. And and you said what I have written down, add, add, add to rodeo. I'd, I always ask people, every rodeo I go to, there's record attendance. Uh, guys are making pretty good money. The, the the people, fans are excited. What do we need to fix? That's always my question is, what do you want to fix? What it comes down to is guys want to make more money. Yeah, That's what needs, needs to be fixed. But really, you just, what we need to do is add to presently what rodeo is. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think that uh, exactly right. I think you... I wanted to add more big rodeos. I mean, I think the, the smaller rodeos are a, a part of a backbone of this country, especially rural America. But I think that these major rodeos, if you have three or four of these, it, it, it's going to separate your and give those champions some serious money. And I, I don't think that Cowboys have been taken care of properly from a standpoint of what they make financially than what most sports do. I mean, surfers make more for God's sakes. And it's sad to think that um, surfer, their uh, apparel um, pay them, more than uh, cowboys get so um my feeling is that it was a way to to add to it i think you know what was sad to me overall and i've never talked about this to anyone but for 
the 20, 15 years I was part of PBR, I, I came, I loved road. That's what I did. I rode it my whole life up until the time I went to PBR. But I became the enemy number one for rodeo uh, as a target, as um, you are a betrayer. You are, you're not helping. And, and I never, when the, when, when the PRC was going bust and they needed money, I think we sent them $50,000. And I didn't get a thank you, which I don't need. I'm not trying to get a thank you. But it was like, it was like, we didn't do anything. And every time I would try to give them help or advice, it was just, I got slammed and I, I just backed away. And then George Taylor came in and George called me in his first week and said, I'd just like to pick your brain. And, um, you know, and, and he was just open and understanding. He wanted to understand and learn the sport. And I absolutely have so much respect for how George has just what he's done. Not that he had to listen to me. He probably didn't listen to me 80% of my ideas, but the fact that he, he was open to listen to anybody and everybody that was trying to help grow the sport that was passionate about it. And I, I give him a, a lot of, a, a lot of credit for that. It, it's still there. Um, and I, I don't get it. We have, you know, at, at the PBR, we have PRCA world champion bull riders and, we introduced them as a PRCA world champion bull rider every time they ride a bull in a PBR arena. I, I'll tell you, uh, this is not for sure not to call any individual out, but I I see it strangely in different levels. I My daughter was the national high school rodeo student president at one time. And I went to one of the people, one of the higher ups, adults, and said, PBR would like to step in and be the bull riding event sponsor. And the individual, I'll never forget, said, well, that's sure nice of them, but with our sponsorship with the PRCA, that's probably a conflict of interest. That's, where's the conflict? What Somebody wants to sponsor an event in high school rodeo, and there's a, a lot of people create a conflict where there is no conflict. It drives me crazy. I, I, I always want to use all boats rise on a high tide. Mm -hmm. And if we can grow the sport in a different element, I mean, if you look at racing, it's such a great world to look at. You have so many genres of racing and you might have Bridgestone and Goodyear over here and you might have Continental and Michelin over here, but everybody brings the sport up. And we were bringing a much younger demographic with a rock and roll entity to it or uh, uh, enhancement to it. While you had over here, you had Rodeo who was just had a very strong, strong uh, presence in Western uh, cities, but it really wasn't growing to Madison Square Garden or Tampa Bay, Florida or, or Worcester, Massachusetts. And that's what PPR was doing. And we were bringing in, we were making the cowboy hat a little bit more uh, famous in, in places like that. Yeah. Too many letters. My mom, as a kid, I remember my mom talking about the, uh, the alphabet soup of rodeo where, you know, you have the PRCA, the IPRA, the NRA, the PBR. And the, in the real world, if you put your out, yourself out there in the real world, nobody knows the damn difference between, I mean, I still get it to this day. Hey, why aren't you at the uh, circuit finals? Well, I do PBR stuff. What do you mean? I mean, that's places like Montana. So it is confusing for, uh, with all the letters for sure. But Oh uh, my God. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Did you, uh, no doubt. Did you ever want to, did you apply or have interest in being the PRCA commissioner ever? Well, that's um, in 1994 when um, Cody Lambert and Ty were sitting in my office and I had a 
plane ticket to Colorado Springs. Uh, the commissioner at the time was Lewis Cryer. Yeah. And he had asked me to become his uh, for profits, uh, the general manager of for profits of the PRCA. And um, they, they, they looked at my ticket. They're just, you know, how those guys are. They're snooping on my desk. They had no right to. And I do know. It was funny they had taken it, I'm sure. Um, and <laughs> and they, uh, they look at it and they go, What are you going to Colorado Springs for? And I'm, 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 uh, Commissioner Cryer is asked me if I want to be the for-profit general manager. And they come back to me that afternoon and go, why don't you come to the CEO of PBR? We're looking for someone. And I'm like, guys, I thought they were kidding. So I, I didn't say anything. And, and then, uh, so th two days later, I fly to Colorado Springs and my plane was really, really late. I got in about to, the, to the hotel about two in the morning. My, my lights going, tink, 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 week before cell phones really were. And, um, he goes, uh, it was Doug Quimby he goes, this is Doug Quimby, the attorney for the PBR. Before you take any job, please call us first. So I called him at 2.30 in the morning. I said, Doug, this is Randy Bernard. He goes, whatever you do, don't take the job. We want to offer it to you. So I met with Lewis. He offered me 55000 I went and met with, I, I would not meet with him on that trip because the PRC made, uh, paid my way. So I went home. They called me. They offered me sixty-five. dollars Cryer offered me seventy-five. I'm like, holy smokes, I'm taking 35. <laughs> and long story short, I decided to go with PBR because they said I could have 100% um, uh, authority on anything I did. And I went back to Lou and said, I said, Lewis, I said, um, I'm going to take the, uh, the PBR job, but I'm only taking it for 55000 I, I don't want this to be about money right now. I, I believe in uh, that I can be helpful to them. And I said, and you've got a friend here. I, we can work together. We're going to be in the same town. And I, I, I did get along great with uh, yeah. Lewis Cryer. He was, he, was a, uh, he was a great commissioner. He did some good things for the PRC. Yeah, you, uh, you, you said something that, you know, people have asked me about, hey, what do you think? Randy Bernard, he should be the PRCA commissioner. He should be the PRCA commissioner. Here, here's the deal. Uh, people ask me all the time, do you like working for the PBR better than you like working for the PRCA? I said, I never worked for the PRCA. Not one time. Did I ever get a check from the PRCA? I worked for the Pendleton Roundup, the Ellensburg Rodeo. It, they're locally produced events rather than produced by... Uh, the, the, PB, the PRCA is the governing body. And I always said, I don't know that Randy could do it. And you said it, the PBR job, they gave you control. The PRCA does what it can with the charter it's been given. But there's a lot of chiefs in that circle, it seems like. There's a lot of slices of pie. First and foremost, they've got the best CEO they could have. I will tell you, I think the world of George and he is the right guy for the job because he has an even keel temperament, not like me. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? So, <laughs> so he is the perfect guy. And, but let's look at this pie for a second. In the PBR, you really had the Cowboys, which was 90% of the pie, and you had the stock contractors who were 10%. And every other piece of the pie was owned by us. And, and when you look at the, let's take the PRCs now, you have seven events um, and, and barrel racing. And you have, that, that's those, so they're, they're, those, those pieces of pies. Now you got to deal with the committees. Now you got to deal with the sponsors. Now you've got to deal with uh, all the, uh, uh, there's one other big piece of pie I'm, I'm forgetting here. Uh, but contract people, there's contract. I mean, oh, the contract contract person the or yeah, yeah. stock contractors. Yeah. yeah. So I'm so you had so many people and the stock contractors used to be so big in the organization that the Cowboys were, weren't getting the, uh, their real say. And it was just a, 
it was just, it's so political. And I think George has done a great job of bringing everyone together and getting everyone focused on the future. And I think there's enough money filing in there now that I, I, I think, I, I think the worst times are behind George. I think George has a hundred percent of the support of his, of his board, which they should, because he's a hell of a good guy and he's a, he's a great leader. Well, and I'm glad you say that. Cause I don't know. I I've met George a couple times, but I, you know, I'm not in the inside of the world for sure. So that is, that definitely is good to know. Um, you take the job as PBR CEO <laughs> right now, looking back, it seems like a no brainer, but when you take the P- CEO job of the PBR at that time from being a fair manager in California, was that a step up or a oh. horizontal step or a little down? It was probably just horizontal. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget. I had a beautiful office in, in, in California state here. Oh, Absolutely man. beautiful. I would make a lot of decisions. I, I knew everybody in town. And my first day when I walked into my office, I'm not kidding you. It was, it, I, I, and I'll put my hand on, you asked Doug Quimby this. It was, it was a broom closet, basically. <laughs> it was about a 10 by 10 room. I had a card table, one of those little fold up card tables and a folding chair with a, with a phone on it. I was the secretary. I was the toilet cleaner. I was everything except for the secretary treasurer, which Doug did that for us. And um, I'm telling you, I mean, first and foremost, it's the only way it should have been because I learned every, nobody was going to fool me on any piece of the PBR. I knew it from the inside out because I did it. And I did it all those years. And, you know, we went, my first employee I ever hired was Jay Preston. And we went to, you know, that was my second, that, there was two of us. And then all of a sudden three and four, I think when we left, we had, I had about 130 staff and, and uh, it, you know, it, it's a major changes. I, I absolutely, it was by far my favorite part of my life. You know, I have, I have discussions all the time because I, my first PBR world finals was 1997. So practically that's a long time. I mean, I know I'm only 38, but <laughs> it's a long time. Do you remember the first time we met? I could tell I, you exactly, not the first time we met, the first time I offered you a full-time job. I, I, as a matter of fact, I do. It was a New Year's bull riding in Minneapolis in the hallway backstage. Cincinnati. Was Cincinnati. it Cincinnati? Was the Cincinnati. river right there, Cincinnati. Yeah. And I, I went to you after the event and I said, hey, Flint, I said, I'd like to bring you on full-time. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically you looked at me kind of funny and said, no, I don't think so. It I was said, my birthday. It was, I think it was January 31st. It might have been. I, I think what I said was, I think what I said was, do you know what I make? <laughs> do you know what I'm, but in a sense, what I did was listed like, I had one Coors man in the can. There was this much. I said, with all my bonuses, this is what I do. And in my head, that was. I think I offered you four times that much that night alone. Before I, I think I went like 10 times by the time you negotiated. Uh, you did get the better hand on me on that. But it paid off, and I could tell you right now, I think you bring more fans to the PBR than any other piece of the PBR. Besides those Cowboys, I know those Cowboys are important. Don't get me wrong on those Bulls. But I'm telling you right now, I could not imagine all those years without Flint Rasmussen in the barrel. Well, I appreciate that. I, I'm telling you, I, you were a major I, part of every, every so many fans. Well, and I, the I, energy you brought, the excitement, the fun. I could watch you do something. You're going to change it every night, which made it even better. But it was just, I mean, there was pieces of your of the show. I, I don't care if I was supposed to be up doing settlement. I was going to be somewhere where I could see you doing the, the, your dance, the Lord of the Dance, or, you know, all that, all those. So, I mean, it was always fun. The other day, Randy or Andy Watson, who's still our photographer, posted, sent me a picture. 
He said, well, since we're going to these old school places, these small venues now, maybe you should bring back old stuff. And I'm flying through the air doing the battered salmon. And in the background of the picture is Bill Ingvall, the comedian, and his wife, Jewel, because she was there at that time with Ty, and you, and you're leaning on the fence, and I could just see you smiling, lean back smiling, and I told Andy, I'll bring that material back if I can bring back my hair that I had in the picture. <laughs> But no, I love yeah. that picture, by the way. I would love yeah, that picture. Yeah, I have. Uh, I'll have to send it to you. I'll forward it to you. So, All right, that'd um, be great. You know, and I've even given you a bad time. People will, look what Randy did with the PBR. He did this, this, this. Didn't, you know, that was in the days, in the early 90s, there wasn't a standalone bull riding event on every corner like there is now. PBR was groundbreaking. Yes, there were standalone. There had been the BR, bull riders only into the PBR. But now you can find just bull riding everywhere. Did you feel, don't, looking back now, you had a lot of freedom. I call it, you could throw a lot of spaghetti on the wall and see which part of it stuck in trying a lot of innovative new ideas. If it didn't work, we could just sweep it under the rug and nobody remembered, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of that going on in those early years. We, we made a lot of mistakes. But I think we were smart enough to move off those mistakes or, or fix them. I mean, I, I can't tell you the countless arguments I've, I had with my board. It's not you, Cody Lambert is my, one of my best friends to this day. We talk every week, always have. But Cody and I, we could get in a massive fight over one point. But within, <laughs> we might not talk to each other for two weeks. But when we come together, we both concede a little bit, and it would always be for the better. And then every time we did that, we came out with something that worked even better. And, you know, at that time, I'd be so pissed because I thought I had the right idea. And I will say, in those early years, it wasn't who had the best idea in the PBR because there was so much passion between our board. It was who was willing to fight and kick and yell and cuss the loudest was going to get their idea. And that's really, and I'm not kidding on that. I've seen chairs flying through boardrooms. I've seen, you know, we've seen the fights and you've heard about them. Um, I sat through them. But um, it was all for the betterment of the sport. And when we would take chances, uh, adding a, a million dollars the first time or doing this, I, Flint, for two weeks before some of these events, and I, I would get up in the middle of the night and I would throw up for an hour. I would be so nervous for two, two weeks, not just the night before. I'm talking two weeks. I would just, it was just, can we afford this? If this doesn't work, we're done. You know, and, and now, you know, those things, everyone wants to say, oh, it was, you know, PBR was destined to make it. We had a great board. We had a great staff uh, that everyone we had on our team was, if you didn't work hard, you weren't going to make it in our, our company. Um, and I, we just, you know, I think that there was a lot more blood, sweat, and tears that, than people realized yeah. went into that. I remember. And Cody Lambert, I mean, it has taken me a lot of years to realize he's not near as big an asshole as he, as he presents himself to <laughs> he be. He wants to be that Oh, look, he but does. He a, it's in there. Teddy bear. There's he a heart. That's Winnie the Pooh inside right it, there. It is. I will agree with you. But, you know, you look, I look back now. I'll go I'll go somewhere. I think we start to take for granted a, a rodeo or some bull riding somewhere. Every time the dirt starts on fire and there's letters in the dirt at any event anywhere, that's a PBR innovation. That, that, that started with PBR. The lighting, the pyro, uh, you know, music was a part of rodeo, but we took it a different level. There were a lot of things I think people have forgotten started. I mean, burning PBR in the dirt 
in today's modern world of pyro and lasers and projection images, it's a pretty primitive way of doing things. We still do it because that we started that. There's a lot of those things. I'll give you a couple more that people never think about. But I mean, bringing Randy Spragans having a dirt doctor, I call him the dirt doctor, yep. um, at every event to make sure our dirt was perfect. Now you look at how many rodeos use Randy and, and, and to do that. But you know, one of the biggest ones that uh. nobody ever thinks of, and I'll put with my dying day, I want it to be one of, one of my most proudest things <laughs> I ever did. Uh, and this is going to be sound so stupid, <laughs> but you being in the barrel, I think you'll see it. You know, the, the clowns used to be clowns. They used to dress yeah. up like clowns out there. Yeah. And I'm like, why? I'm looking at a hockey game going, these guys look intimidating. They look professional. And our clowns look like clowns. And yet these got the most important job. They're lifesavers. And when we took them out of those clown outfits and put them in uniforms, it, to me, it made the sport not only more professional, but it gave a, a purpose for those guys that they're not clowns. They have a they're amazing athletes that do an amazing job of keeping those Cowboys out of danger. And, and I think uh, nobody, I've never had one person say, yeah. wow, that's great that the PVR changed. Well, yeah, uh, the- yeah. NFR does it. Uh, certain rodeos give them uniforms to wear. Then I yeah. switched over to a uniform and it was a little brighter. I kept the makeup to keep that tradition. And you're se- an entertainer though. You're not a clown. Right, you're not right, a right, right. But, and you know, the makeup separated me from them. But now I see barrel men in their uniforms. And that, good point. I forget. See, I, even I forgot. I remember the first year Rob Smets showed up in a, in a uniform. It was a CarQuest one. And then that was yeah. that transition of they yeah. all should. Now it's just part of the deal. They, yeah, they we, just, we went. I, I, I knew if Rob did it, the rest of everybody would follow. So Rod was a, Rob was our guinea pig. And uh, you got to love, who doesn't love Rob? And, and when Rob wore it, it was like instant. Everybody liked it. Nobody, nobody ever laughed at it. <laughs> it could have been a laughing stock too. Who, uh, you know, the, the whole, still to this day, the, the basis for all, everything we've talked about today from pro rodeo to the American to the PBR is corporate dollars. Who did, who did you take in that, in those initial years? It, it took a lot of corporate dollars. Bud Light, Bud Light was the first one, right? Bud Light was uh, first one, yeah. They were there before I came. Jack, uh, Bill Selman was there then. That's right. And then, I, and then uh, we brought Jack Daniels. We were the first sponsorship Jack Daniels has ever done in history. Uh, Wrangler we brought in. Uh, that time, Greg Tuza was at Wrangler. Yep. And Louis Russo was right there behind him. And, um, and, um, and then it just started rolling. But we really, you know, up until we did the, the network television deal, we were still doing maybe $3.5 million in sponsor. I don't recall the exact number. But... Um, you know, we, we took so much, I took so much heat. My, my entire uh, entire management quit when they heard that um, I bought the television rights for six and a half million and uh, had just done a deal with uh, uh, NBC for a couple of million dollars. They were like, we're gonna go, we're gonna be broke. So they all quit and said they needed to fire me. And then if they didn't fire me that, um, uh, that they were gonna quit. And so they, we got Ty Murray and Cody Lambert on the phone and Ty, Ty goes, hey, Randy, can you do me a favor after you listen to him? He goes, hey, uh, will you fire every one of them MFers? And, <laughs> and everybody looked like, uh-oh, this is backfiring on us. And when we got the big 2.4 rating, it was like the next the next week, it was like a waterfall. It was like the money started flowing in. And it was just like, holy smokes. It was, and I think we took it to $20 million in sponsorship. Yeah. 
um, in a very short time after we started getting the television, yeah. the network television. And it, the, the network television has to be the biggest uh, single event that took PBR to a, another level. Yeah, I know. I mean, to- yeah, I know still we'll do those hour, you know, we'll, we'll do something. We had these 15-15 deals and it, it's a one-hour CBS show after an NFL game. We have learned even in the, in the in arena, that's a big deal. Uh, to be on, on network after an NFL game. To me, that's where you gather fans that weren't already fans. That's critical. Corporate dollars and fan-wise, which of course ties together. So, yeah. Um, I, I counted up, I added up um, how many, I, I've sold right at, or with my IndyCar, PBR, Garth, all, all my, I, I've sold over right at a billion dollars in sponsorships since, um, or at least been under me under my reign of all, all those in, in my short time. So I, we, that's a pretty fun number to throw We should around. get him. We should. Hey, guys. <laughs> it looks like Pendleton Whiskey's doing a pretty yeah, good job. They're okay for now. That's a, Yeah, we're, we're working on that. That's You, you mentioned IndyCar. I know that there, uh, we all have uh, jobs or things in our life that don't necessarily go the direction we want them to. Uh, IndyCar, I know, was challenging for you. What would you take from that or learn I know that's a generic question, but oh, we take great. from everything. Well, I, I have a, 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 my philosophy in life is when you saw me move on from PBR, you very seldom see me at events when you, uh, and you, you don't see me at IndyCar events, but once or twice. And my philosophy in life is, 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 is there's a reason why your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror. When you leave, leave it behind you because it will be gut wrenching to see your little baby change into a different property that you don't like. And there's nothing you can do about it. So I made a determination when I left the sport, I, I left it. But um, going back to the question about IndyCar, um, first of all, IndyCar over 15 straight years, and this is public, it's written in the paper, they had lost uh, $30 million a year for 15 straight years. So my job was to come in and try to uh, stop the bleeding, which I did. I, I made it um, break even in, a, in, in three years. But um, you know, I had some pretty bad breaks. I had the Dan Weldon death. A lot of people tried to pin that on me. I had death threats. It was a, it was a te- probably some of the worst time of my life, that three or four months. Um, and then I had a major sponsor. I had Continental Tire that was willing to come in and, and pay $36 million as a, as a sponsor. And uh, we were, Firestone was paying a half a million. And they were, paying, they were giving some endorsements and they were giving some tires and stuff like that. So it was more than that. But bottom line was um, I, I, I felt strong enough on that. And, and the board felt that, differently and I, I felt um if i can't do my job it wasn't best for me to be there we we decided that um to i you know it was best for me to to move on i was there three and a half years i did a great job the biggest lesson out that i i will take that you questioned was um that do things in life that you love that you're passionate about cars wasn't one of the things i was passionate about i was passionate about making them money or getting them to even was what made drove me every day but it wasn't my Western lifestyle is my passion. It, any, I have to be attached to talking to you and talking to people that I love to be around. That's me. And I was miserable. And I've told so many people, if you, if, whatever you do in life, it's got to be about what you love. I don't care if I get paid uh, doing what I'm doing because I love what I'm doing. Over there, I had to get paid because I could not. It was not my, <laughs> it was not me. Yeah. You know, so um, that, that's how I, I've always looked at money will come if you love what you do, if that's important to you. Yeah. I, I, I think you bring up an interesting point. 
PBR, PBR wise, you know, but re- reality is in the corporate office, there are a lot of people there that have never even been to a rodeo and uh, admittedly. So there needs to be that balance in an organization as well, where you have those people that are completely passionate about, it's still a Western sport. Um, yep. And you need to know the type of people you are marketing to and playing to, and you need to know that marketing side. But I, I'm with you. I think an organization, not just a person, needs to have that passion. The organization needs to have the passion for what they are selling and presenting as well. No doubt. I, uh, my lesson in life on that was Rick Pitino's book. Uh, I think it's called Success of the Choice, where he says, I only hired people with PhDs. And I, my HR, you could, you've probably heard me say this a hundred times, but my HR department, there's only one. I didn't care what degree. You could have a degree from Harvard, but if you had this PhD over here, I was going to hire you every time. And that stood for passion, hunger, and drive. And if someone had that, that was when I would do an interview, if I saw that in someone, they loved the PBR or they loved marketing or they loved what something, I could teach them in Western lifestyle. I, I couldn't teach, I can't teach someone that passion and drive. And it worked every time. We had amazing staff around us. And I mean, I would be nothing without everybody that we had around us. Yeah. I think I see it right now in, in talking about, we joke about Cody Lambert. But Cody Lambert, uh, the people on like competition committee, other bull riders, I think for, I, I'm, I grew up around rodeo and I roped a little bit, a lot like you, and I have a passion for rodeo and the competition. But I think maybe the biggest challenge, especially in the PBR, is that the way you present a show, there's a competition. You got to present the competition, but you have to present the entertainment and production as well. Meeting in the middle with cowboys and their competition. Let's just ride some bulls. Let's just do it. That is a huge challenge. Our our friend Clayton Cullen, of all people, used to put it a good way. Said we are a we're a we're a professional sporting event wrapped in a Broadway show. In a sense, that is a huge challenge. I think I, it, it is, and I think my whole philosophy on that was that I wanted people saying wow at least two or three times during the event and and one of them what had to be in the opening because the opening is i've just spent 75 dollars on my ticket show me what you got and your first 15 minutes i don't care if i just met you your first 15 minutes you're gonna give me an impression on you and that to me was a very important impression and you know the the bull riding is going to be absolutely amazing if you just let it run its course it takes care of itself yeah we always say the same thing yes it does and so that, that was really important to me. And I, and I think when you hear compliments from like Bernie Toppin, who's been to every rock show in the world and says, this is a more rock and roll uh, performance than most performances you go to. Those are huge compliments. Uh, Bernie, you know, as you know, was a big fan of the PBR. Yeah, he used to come around a lot. It, it's funny how many times I would hear there'd be Hollywood people. We used, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but when we used to go to Anaheim, California, one year yeah. we went and there was like 25 like TV stars, musicians. We we used to call Anaheim the RBI, the Randy Bernard Invitational. <laughs> all, uh, the, all the people, but we met such great people. It, you know, even uh, recently this year, we lose Tommy Lasorda. We felt uh, like that was a loss for the PBR because he was around so much. And st- he was an ambassador. He loved yeah. us. I mean, he was he was an ambassador. I'll never forget um, the... Tommy and I were good friends. I traveled with Tommy. I went to Vegas with Tommy. And Tommy went to, uh, he went to IndyCar with me. He went to PBRs. He, we did stuff all the time together. Well, one time his, his, uh, his manager or 
uh, Steve was, uh, uh, I go, hey, when's Tommy going to get here? He goes, I don't think he's coming. I don't think he felt good. I go, this is Anaheim. This is 10 minutes from his house. He's got to come. So Steve goes over and goes, Tommy, get your ass down here. Get out of your pajamas. Randy says you need to be down here. He goes, he, goes, he calls him Junior. He goes, Junior, I am not going down there tonight. I'm in my pajamas. I'm here. And I, there's a lot of swear words I could promise yeah, you. Yeah, completely. And he goes, well, so I'm thinking, I, I look out over in the corner of my eye, I see Bo Derek. I go, tell him I'll sit him next to Bo Derek. It wasn't 10 minutes later, <laughs> Thomas Lord was right there. <laughs> uh, since you're sharing stories, I don't usually do this, but World Finals one year, Bo Derek was there. And uh, I, I was doing the boneless chicken. The old, but where I flop around and yeah. right away in the middle of it, in the middle of it, I'm laying on the dirt and Bob Feist was announcing. So he just kind of interrupted my greatest line ever. And he goes, uh, well, here with Bo Derek. And I stood up and I said on my microphone, Bo Derek, that'll put a bone back in your chicken pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> and Ty Murray was, like yesterday. <laughs> Ty was doing TV and we were at commercial and I walked by and he takes his headphones off like this. And he said, Hey, that's the funniest shit you've ever said in your life. <laughs> oh, so yeah. World. I'm glad you reminded me of the Bo Derek line. Yeah. She, that will put a bone in your chicken. So. Oh God. That, uh, those were some, I, I, mean, I would never trade those times for anything. No. It was the best time. And then we were just learning every day was a new experience. Um, you know, everybody came to work and, and knew if you didn't work hard, that you weren't going to make it yeah. to PBR. I mean, nobody got a free rate. Nobody, nobody was there that didn't deserve to be there. That's I was pushed by people like Tommy Joe Lucia and you and, you know, there was, it was always a, we have to do it better. This is when you're in buildings. I don't think people understand this. When you are in a building like Madison square garden, or Staples Center, especially Madison Square Garden. That's the biggest example I use. The people that go to events in that building expect to see the cleanest, most professional, sharpest show ever presented in the world. That's what Broadway is right down the street. So when you walk in that building and you look at all those pictures on the wall in the back hall hallway, you better have your crap together because they expect the best and they will tell you if it's not the best. That's no doubt. And, and as we always did, we always had, we all were always been, I mean, that's, we just grew every year. Yeah. That was fun. Uh, we joked about the hallway conversation. That was so unusual then to, you know, when I went, told people in rodeo, I'm going to exclusive PBR. That was unheard of. Like that was not first, you know, I had won every award in rodeo and to just, that was like going to the USFL from the NFL in a sense. It was just so unusual. Now there's a lot of that. To be an employee, I'm still an employee of the company. Of the, well, of you were PBR. the highest paid employee there for several years. I can tell you. Over me, I'm sure. <laughs> well, like, and you I, were like, I, I was like, I'm like, I'm going to take some crap for this one. I, I can't believe I just gave it. But not one, not, I didn't take anything from the board. The board was like, whatever, you know, like, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I'm, I wish I could tell numbers because it was, it was, it was for those days, it was major, major, major money. Wow. And I have it all left, Randy. Sure, it's all, sure. it's all still here before I let you go. Biggest, you know, I talked about, I think a big obstacle in production is competition theater, basically 
in the scheme of Western sports that you have, I know how passionate you are. You've contributed with the American, with the PBR, everything through, through the Cowboy Channel. What What is either culturally, economically, business-wise for Western sports, bull riding rodeo, what's the biggest challenge that lies out there to, to grow and get bigger? I love that question because I think about it often. And I think there's, I think that rodeo is in a very peculiar spot because of calf roping, because of team roping, because of steer wrestling, that I've, my belief is that you need rodeo to become somewhere in the middle because you don't want it to become as big as NASCAR because you get the negative that comes with it. Right now, it's under the radar. I, I'd like to see the money grow substantially. I'd like to see there be, you know, there needs to be some guys winning a couple million dollars, two or three, four million dollars a year eventually. Um, because you have so many rodeos and it is a Western lifestyle that is so big. And, you know, I, I just think there's, there's room for that kind of growth, but I think that you don't want it to be so big that it brings all the negativity with right. it too. And there's a fine line for that. Yeah. I think Cowboys are in a, a tough spot. I talked about, about it on this podcast with Tyson Durfee. Cowboys are in a tough spot. Everybody wants Cowboys to make more money. And then when they make more money, Oh hell, they're just making more money. They're a sellout or they are, you know, it's such a tough balance. And yeah, I've always said, do you really want mainstream, the things that go along? It's sort of like, do you really want everyone to know who you are? Believe me, do you really want all of that? So, um, well, I will say, um, for one, I think this was a great conversation, but you know, when, when your name comes up, I always say he was my boss. He's the one that came to me in the hallway and said, I want you to be exclusive PBR. I called you back. It was June when I called you back, by the I way. Know it was. Yeah. I, I was so let down for a couple of weeks because you just, was, I think I offered you, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand more. Or you didn't even <laughs> call me back. And in June, you finally called me. Go, I'm, I'm tired of rodeos. Let's yeah, talk. You, is that offer still good? And you said, you damn right it is. But uh, you made a big difference in, in you know, my career and the way I could what I had to offer my girls growing up. Anyway, I've just appreciated, you know, what you did for me professionally, but I also know every time I run into you, we can, we can BS just like we're friends too. So. Uh, I love it. And you, like I said, you're such an important part of our, our sport. I mean, my fear, I, and, I, and I, I, this was my fear when I was CEO of PBR. And I've talked to you about this is who is the next Flint Rasmussen? Who is, I mean, to me, it's such an important part and you're just not going to be able to put anyone in that arena. Um, and, and it's not going to be the same. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a letdown. And it's, um, I just dang sure didn't want to be there when you left. So that, that was, <laughs> you just said you were going to retire. I'd have retired a couple oh, years earlier. <laughs> man, I'll tell you with, with social media and, and I, eyes on us all the time, it's sure become a lot harder. I, I, I can say that it's uh it's a harder job. Just like the guy that you manage, I'm sure he'd say the same thing that, Oh, it's golly, yes. it's he's, uh, harder in here. But the thing of Garth is he's just such an easygoing man. And he's just, he, he knows what he's doing is right. And as long as he can look himself in the mirror and say, I, I'm trying to make this world a better place. He really, really he has, he has peace with it. And I mean, I, I have peace working for, him. I've never worked for a man in my life that I love so much. I mean, he's just a guy that want, he, he he's uh, never raises his voice. He's so even keel, but you want to just work your butt off for him. I and mean, he's just an amazing person to work with. Well, when you get back to a stadium, 
you offered once and then everything kind of shut down. I want to come to a show. I've never been to a Garth Brooks show all these bring years. Bring David Allen. Bring David. I'll bring too. Dave. I'll bring the fellas here. They'll all, right, the whole according to Flint. Garrett, we'll, Garrett said we'll, we'll make it good. Yeah, you got it. Randy, this has been a pleasure. I appreciate the stories and your friendship and, and everything you brought to the Western sports world. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having me, Flint. Really you, appreciate you it. You got it. Randy Bernard, everybody. Bye.